The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Go back and, and read these verses I'm going to be talking about. I would encourage you to go back and listen to these podcasts as they come out and just kind of let yourself steep in this for a while, because I truly believe you're going to get some stuff out of this today, but I think the longer you marinate in it, the longer and the more you're going to receive out of it. And, and what we're going to be talking about in this series is really kind of aligning our, ourself with, with God's ways and, and stepping into uh, what it is God has for us. You know, the Bible says that God's thoughts are higher than our, our thoughts, and His ways are higher than our ways. And yet sometimes we go through life and we kind of try to live our life uh, trying to get biblical or godly results doing things worldly ways and, and it doesn't work that way if you want to see God's results you have to do things God's way and what I loved about this morning and I, I promise you this wasn't planned but in our worship songs today we talked a lot about the goodness of God and that's really important as we jump into this because I'm, I'm gonna tell you something I'm gonna be real upfront with you in the series okay we're gonna talk about money in the next few weeks okay and I know some of you, when you, when you, maybe you're new to the church and you're going, oh, great, here we go. I'm in another church where a guy's trying to get my money from me. That's not what this is about at all, okay? This is not about me trying to get something from you. This really is about what God has for you. And I want you to know something. Uh, I don't count on you to source this church. I really don't. Uh, if you've been to New Song in any one of these 81 weeks that we've had, you probably notice that we don't pass a bucket here. Um, in the 81 weeks, I've taught on giving one time. Why is that? I'm not, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that to say, my, I, I know God is the source of this church. And God's blessed our church. He really has. We've been very blessed. And so as I say this today, I want you to hear my heart. Our, my heart is not to try to take something from you. It's not to try to get something out of you. My heart is to help you to step into what God has for you. And so as we kind of jump into this today, uh, I want you to know something. God wants you to be blessed. He does. That's what God wants for you. God is a good God. And, and it's so important that you see that because if you see God the right way, it makes it really easy to obey him when he asks you to obey. But God's a good God. He wants you blessed. And here's another really cool thing about God. He has the ability to bless you. <laughs> he, the Bible says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God's rich. He's loaded. He's loaded with everything you could ever need. Where, where we're weak, he's strong. Where we're poor, he's rich. He's, he's got it all. And the good thing is he wants to bless you, and God is a giver. In fact, if you're taking notes, write that down this morning. God is a giver. That's who God is. If you, were to, if you were to summarize the Bible down to like the most simple sentence possible, I think it'd be two words. It'd be God gives. That's who God is. Think about the most famous verse in all of Scripture, John 3, 16. What does it say? It says, for God so loved the world that he, what did he do? He gave, right? That's, that's what God does. He gives. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have eternal life. He gave. That's who God is. He's a giver. He wants to give to you. In fact, uh, the Bible says this. Jesus said this about God in Luke 12, 32. He said, it is your father's good pleasure, look what it says next, to give you the kingdom. God wants to give you the kingdom. He wants to put things into your hands. Look at this next verse, John 10, 10. This is Jesus talking again. He says, my purpose. So it's talking about the purpose of Jesus, which if you, if you study scripture, you find that whatever the purpose of Jesus was, that's the purpose of God. 
Jesus came to do his father's will. Everything he did was submitted to his father. So if you see Jesus, what you saw in Jesus was the heart of God, the nature of God. He says, my purpose, which is the purpose of God, is look at this, what it is. It's to give them, talking about me and you, a rich and satisfying life. God's a giver. He's a good God. He wants to give things to you. He doesn't want to take anything away from you unless it's hurting you. The things he wants to take from you are things like sickness and sin and oppression. Those are the things he wants to take from you. He doesn't want to take anything good from you. He wants to give you good things because that's who he is. He's a good father and he is a giver. And that's really what this series is about. It's about us stepping into God's ways. It's about us experiencing God's blessing in every area of our life. And here's where it starts, okay? And this is what the, this message is going to be about today. We're going to start with a real simple idea, and that is this. It starts in the heart. In fact, the name of this message today, if you're a title person, it's the heart of the matter. Because we're going to start by talking about your heart, because your heart is a key player in you experiencing the blessings God has for you. It's so important, if you're going to have the blessed life, that you, you see God the right way. That you, you see him as a good father. You see him as a giver. You see him as someone that can supply your needs. You see him as someone who's there and is going to take care of you as a father, a good father who wants to take care of you. It's important you see God the right way. It's important that you see this world the right way and your place in this world. It's important that you see the things of this world the right way. It's important that you see the things God's put into your hands the right way. It's about aligning our heart with the heart of God, about having the same kind of heart God has, which is a giving heart. That's what, we're, that's what we're shooting for, is to have the kind of heart God has. So take a note. Here's my first point this morning. Your heart is God's goal. That's the goal of God. He wants to win your heart. But I want you to know something. He's not the only one going after your heart. There's an enemy named Satan who is also in pursuit of your heart. And the battle that is raging right now in this world, in the spiritual realm, it's not a battle to try to prove something. God's not trying to prove, hey, I'm stronger, everybody, than the devil. You need to know that. That's, that's been proven, okay, just so you know. That's been taken care of. Satan's not trying to prove that he's stronger than God. That's a, that's a dumb fight for him. They're not trying to prove something. They're both trying to win something. And they're both trying to win your heart. God wants to win your heart. He wants to win your affections. He wants to win your heart in such a way that you put God first in every area of your life. But you know what? That's the same thing the devil's trying to do. He's trying to win your heart. He's trying to win your affections. He's trying to, to pull you to his ways. And here's why. Point number two, your life follows your heart. Your life follows your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says this. This is David talking to his son. He said, guard your heart above all else. Now, I want everybody in here to read this with me out loud. We'll say this together, okay? For it... Okay, let's try again. <laughs> Slap yourself around a little bit. Make sure you're awake. Here we go. All right, ready? One, two, three. For it determines the course of your life. Your heart determines the course of your life. Or in other words, your, your life is going to follow your heart. Where your heart is, your life's going to follow that. Now, interesting, Jesus said this in Matthew 6.21 about our hearts. He said... For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, you put those two things together, and your, your life is going to follow your heart, but your heart tends to follow your treasure. I, I want you to know something this morning. God wants your money. He does. But he doesn't want your money because he wants your stuff. He wants your money because he wants your heart. And he knows how you 
how you operate. Your money follows your heart. So God wants to be first in your money so he can be first in your heart. It's kind of like this. Think about this. If you were to go invest in a stock, right, the stock market, and let's say you decided that you were going to invest $10,000 in a particular stock. From that moment forward, once you invest that money into that stock, from that moment forward, you're going to start tracking that stock, aren't you? And depending on how much $10,000 may be to you today, we're all at different levels financially. But, but I know for me, I would be watching it. I'd be looking at that you know, probably on a daily basis, seeing how that's going. Why? Because I've invested in it. So because I've invested my, my money in it, now I'm, I'm, my heart is there. I want to know how it's doing. I want to see that it's doing good. In the same way, here, here's the idea. If God can get us to, to put him first in our finances and to invest our finances into the kingdom of God, what happens? Our heart follows him. Our heart is invested in the kingdom of God. You guys tracking with me this morning? So that's what God wants. You know, I think it's interesting that the Bible starts off in Genesis 1-1. There's four words that begin the Bible. In the beginning, God, right? In the beginning, God. I think that should be a life mantra for us, a motto for how we live our life. That in the beginning, God, in everything we do, in every area of our life, in our relationships, in the beginning, God. What if we live that way? Then we'd probably be a lot more honoring with relationships, if we're not married, we're in relationships with the other sex. In the beginning, God, we, we'd honor God the right way. In the beginning, in our jobs, in the beginning, God. What if we, we operated that way? We put God first in everything we do. It, this is what, what I want you to see is God wants to be first in our life in every area. He doesn't want there to be areas that we've compartmentalized and we've said, well, God, you can be first in a lot of these areas, but this area over here, I, I, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to control that myself. I, I, I've got this one. So I'll take care of that. And see, this is one of the reasons why we need to submit and put God first in our finances is because if we don't, then we're not really submitting to God in that area and and finances can become a God in our life. See, here's how it works. And God understands this. Money is a big deal, right? Like we need money to to live in this world. You think about the the three things that we all need in order to survive. We need a roof over our head, we need food, and we need clothing. These are like the main things we need in this world. Well, in order to have any of those things, you you need money. Or you need someone to, to finance those for you so you can have those things. And so money is this... This thing in our life that's supposed to be, here's how it's supposed to work. Money is supposed to be a source through which God uses, God uses it as a source in our life to bless us. But what happens far too often is we look at money as our source. And we look and money becomes the God of our life, the thing that we, we, we follow first. Because we look at it as being the thing that's going to supply all our needs instead of, instead of God. So here's what we got to do. We got to put God first in every area of my life. You guys following? Okay, so look at this with me. How do we do this? How do we start to step into this? Well, it's a heart thing. Jesus said this in Luke 6. He said, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Now, I want you to notice the things I'm going to talk about here. Every one of these things relates to the heart. We judge from our heart, do we not? Right. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Where do we condemn? It's from our heart. It says, forgive and you will be forgiven. If you've ever experienced unforgiveness in your life, you know it's not just necessarily a choice. It's something that you have to get your heart to buy into. Forgiveness is a heart issue. Now, look at where it goes from here. Give. So it's talking about heart issues. 
And then a very famous scripture that most people, if you've ever heard this scripture before, give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall you receive. It says, we, we don't always connect it to, but here's what, here's what Jesus was saying. It's all a heart issue. Giving is a heart issue. It's an issue of the heart. Pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your bosom. From with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, notice in that scripture, in those verses, did it say money anywhere? No, it didn't. And yet most of the time when we hear that, we think of money. When we hear the word give, a lot of times we think of money. But, but here's what I want you to see as we get into this. It's not just a money issue. It's a heart issue. See, God can win your heart. It, it gets real easy from there. It's real easy to trust God in every area of your life if he can win over your heart, if he can get your heart the right way. So this, a principle, this principle here applies to every area of our life. Don't judge or you'll be judged. The same way you judge, you'll be judged. We gotta get our heart right when it comes to that. Don't condemn or you'll be condemned. The way you condemn others is how condemn, condemnation will come back on you. Forgive others and you'll be forgiven. All of these are heart issues. And then it says give. See, giving is a heart issue. Having a generous heart is the goal. And then notice what it says. This is what's interesting. It says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The measure you give will be measured back to you. What does that mean? Well, let me, let me try to explain this to you. When, when Jesus first told this story to the people he was talking to that day, he was talking to a group of Hebrew people that would have understood Hebrew farming at that time. And in Hebrew farming, uh, they had some kind of special customs that they, that they did that, that were different than maybe what you may have known about. Okay, so in, in Hebrew farming, there were two kinds of people that would harvest a field. There were the day laborers or the workers. And these were guys that would go out into the middle part of the field and they would have these big baskets. And they would go out there and they would harvest the crop and they would put it into their baskets and then they would take it over to this big bin and they would dump it into the bin. Now these guys were working for a wage, they weren't working, you know, for how much they could do. It was just to get this field done. They'd get paid a day's wage each day. So when they were going out to harvest, they weren't necessarily trying to put as much as they possibly could in the basket. Because, you know, the more they put in there, the heavier it's going to get. And they have to empty this field. So they want to, you know, fill it up to a good place. But, but what they're really about is, is getting it into that big bin, however many trips that may take. There was another group of people that would be harvesting from the field, and they would be on the kind of the outside edges of the field. See, Jesus had it set up, or, or I'm sorry, the Hebrew people, well, I guess God, had it set up in the, in the economy of the Hebrew people where they would leave the outside edges of the field for the poor people. So they wouldn't harvest from that part of the field. And so poor people could come along with their baskets, and they could harvest from that part of the field. And when they harvested, they were taking home what they put in the basket, so they would fill that basket up a little bit differently. They would put some stuff into that basket and then they would press it down and they would shake it because they want to get as much in there. They'd probably step into the basket and stomp it down and they'd keep piling it up, pressed down, shaking together, running over. They'd get as much in that basket as they possibly could because this is what they're going to be living off of. That's a good measure, right? Now, let me, let me give this in more modern terms because maybe not all of you are familiar with farming terms, but how many of you ever been to the gas station before and you've got yourself an icy? Any icy drinkers in here? Some of you, maybe, depending on where you're from, maybe you've got a coolie, or what's another word, slurpee. When I was a kid, I considered myself to be an icy connoisseur. And I had a plan when it came to getting an icy. I didn't get one all the time, but when it came time to do it, I was going to make the most of it. So the layman, the average person, when they go in to get their icy, they kind of take their cup and the little dome lid, right? 
And they go over there and they fill it up and then they walk out. Oh, stupid people. (laughs) When I would go in, I would go and I would look at the different machines and I would try to find out which batch is the best batch. See, I see it's supposed to be frothy and cold. And so what you want to do is you want to look at that little spinning thing on the front, right? You look at that and you're looking for one that's kind of light colored because it's icy and frothy. You don't want to, if there's one that's all liquidy and dark, that's a bad batch. You don't want nothing to do with that, okay? So you find the batch that's the best batch and then you go get your cup and you bring it, you put your little lid on it and you go over there and you fill it up a little bit and then you tap it on the machine, shake it a little bit, let everything settle. Then you fill it up a little bit more. Then you tap it on the machine, let it settle a little bit and then you fill it up accidentally but on purpose to the point of overflow where it kind of you know, grows out of the top kind of like those little snakes that you get on the 4th of July that just kind of ooze and... It does that. And, and so, oh, bummer. So then you have to lick that off. And then when I was a kid, it was like, put your straw in it and you suck as much down as you possibly can right there. Try to empty about half of it into yourself and you don't care if you get a brain freeze. And, and then you fill it back up all the way. And that, my friends, is a good measure. Press down, shaking together, running over. That's how you do an IC. So now none of you will be able to ever get an IC without thinking about me. But here's what you see. Here's what God's saying. When, when you give, that's the kind of measure he gives back to you. That's how he pours back into you. See, there's a principle in scripture. It's a law. That, that it's called the law of sowing and reaping. Of seed time and harvest. That whatever you sow, you're going to receive back. When we give to God, he always gives back to us. But his measure is always way, way better. Think about this. When you go to plant an apple seed in the ground, you don't, an apple doesn't just grow You get an apple tree, right? And on the apple tree are many apples. And inside of all those apples is more seed. It's this this multiplication that takes place. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap in a greater measure. And so what what God is showing us here, and this applies to all areas of life, if we sow goodness, we get good things. If we sow love, we receive love. If we sow forgiveness, we, we, we see forgiveness. It's a heart issue. Whatever we sow, whatever. Everybody say whatever. We're going to receive back good. We're going to receive back in a greater measure. So we need to re- sow good things so we receive back good things in our life. All right, so turn me to Deuteronomy chapter 15. So we, we've established a few things this morning. God's good. He's a giver. He wants us blessed. He wants our heart. That's what he's going after. That this issue of, of giving, this issue of being generous is an issue of the heart. And then, and then God gives us in, in these verses here, we get some some ideas on how to actually put this into practice in our life, how to develop a generous heart, how to kind of cultivate this so that we have a heart like that of God. I want to give you four things we need to do if you're going to be generous givers with a heart like God. Number one, you got to deal with a selfish heart. you got to deal with a selfish heart. We're all born into this world with selfish hearts. The Bible says this in Deuteronomy 15 verse 9. It says, Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year... The year of release is at hand. I'll explain that in a minute. And your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you. Now look what it says here. And it become a sin among you. Okay, so here's what what this verse says here. This verse tells us that selfishness is wickedness. It's wicked to be selfish, and that in the eyes of God, it's wicked, and it leads to sin. When we're selfish, it's going to lead to sin. Now, in order to understand this verse completely, you've got to understand the time in which 
this verse was written. Uh, at this time, in, in the economic system of, of the Israelite people, every seven years, all the debts were erased. Every seven years, if you had any kind of debt, it would be erased. How many of you would like to see that be put back into place? Amen. Especially those of you who have, maybe have school debt or something like that. It would be completely erased. And so here's, here's what God is saying here. He's saying if you have a, a brother that comes up to you and he says, hey, I had a bad year this year. My crops didn't come in like I thought they were. And it, it you know, didn't go good. And, and could you help me? Could you lend me some money? And you start thinking in your head, wait a minute, it's the sixth year. And in, in six months, it's going to be the seventh year. It's going to be the year of Jubilee where, where this debt's going to be erased. So if I give this guy any money, he might not be able to pay me back. And God says, don't think that way. That's not a generous heart. That's a heart that's looking for man to pay you back. And God says, that's not the heart I want you to have. I want you to be generous like, like I'm generous. Now think about this. Why do you think God created giving? Why do you think God, because it's, it's pretty clear, giving is all throughout scripture. So why did God create giving? Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, it's probably you know, to, to help support God's work in this world. Really? I said this earlier, but the Bible says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. This is, this is funny to me. In God's economy in heaven, the streets are paved with gold. So think about that. In, in the heavenly economy, gold is the equivalent of asphalt here on this earth. I think God's doing okay financially. I don't really think he, he needs our money. I, giving, I don't think giving was created for God. I think giving was created for us. I think it's about us. Because nothing in this world helps us to, to get away from selfishness, to pull away from greed, like, like being a person who has a giving heart. And, and honestly, that's kind of why I'm not crazy about you know, the message of the, of the gospel, the message of giving, when, when the motivation becomes, hey, give and you'll get. If you give, you'll get. Now, understand, I, I've, I've shown you in Scripture, that's how it works. But that's not the motivation of our heart. We don't give to give. To get, we, we give because we're obeying God and we're worshiping God and we're honoring God. I don't think God is trying to create a culture of getters. He's trying to create a culture of givers. That's what he wants from us. That's God so loved the world, he gave. That's who he is. So yeah, I, I think that's, that's really the goal here. Now, again, I'm not saying that that's you know, if you give something, you're not going to see something in return. That's really clear in Scripture. But, but listen, that's a benefit of giving, not the motivation. The motivation of our heart when it comes to giving, when it comes to being generous, is not to, to get something from God. It's to give something and worship Him and put Him first in every area of our life. And when we give, it helps us deal with this selfish nature that we all have. It helps us move beyond ourselves and move into this blessed life that God's called us to have where he can bless us. He can sow into us. Number two, we have to deal with a grieving heart. We have to deal with a grieving heart. Look what it says next in Deuteronomy 15.10. It says, you shall surely give to him. Talking about the, the guy who came to you in the field and he, he's having a bad year. Look at give and look at, and your heart, talking about your heart here, should not be grieved when you give to him because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you. In all your works and in all to which you put your hand to. We say this at the end of every service here at New Song. I'm blessed going in, I'm blessed going out, and everything I set my hands to will prosper. That's what God says. When you're a giver, He'll bless your hands, He'll bless whatever you set your hands to. That's an awesome promise 
from God. So if we'll learn to give with the right heart, God says everything will be blessed. Now understand this, there's two ways that, that Satan works against us when it comes to giving. The first way is this, he, t- he attacks us with selfishness before we give. That's what we just talked about. But the second way he attacks us is with grieving after we give. Maybe you've been here before where you give something, and right after you give something, something breaks. Anybody else happen? Into last year, me and Sarah were fulfilling our Heart for the Kingdom pledge here at New Song Church. And we wrote this big check, and we were so excited to be able to sow into the church. And we've been doing this for years. We gave it. Well, that, the next day, our garage door broke, and we locked ourselves out of the house. Same day. And it cost us all this money. And, and you can't help when that stuff happens. You kind of go, man, maybe we shouldn't have done this. You know, Christmas is coming up. But we've just decided, no, that's not going to be our heart. Our heart is to be generous, to give. When God asks us to give, this is all his. We give. And you know what? God took care of us. Out of the blue, we got some money that we didn't know was coming our way, came to our way, took care of everything, and then some. Because God is a good God, and he's a giver. So you can trust God with your finances. You know, it's funny. I'm, <laughs> I, I have this happen to me from time to time. I'm up here talking and preaching about stuff, and I have, like, random thoughts going through my mind. Sarah's here. She'd totally be making fun of me right now. And I'm, I'm having one of these moments right now where I'm just thinking about how I'm up here talking about giving and money and stuff, and I have no money today. I forgot to bring my wallet, and I'm supposed to go out to lunch with some people, and I don't know what I'm going to do. So <laughs> random thoughts from Josh. Uh, I don't know. Hey, KJ. Oh, man. Thank you, KJ. Everybody, KJ. How about that? Man. Such a giver. I need to start sharing my random thoughts more often. 20 bucks. Now, let's talk about this for just a minute. Because I'm actually illustrating something right now. You see, before the service, I actually went up to KJ and I gave him this $20. And I told him that during the service, I was going to ask him to bring it up to me. And so that's what he did. Now, KJ, are you grieving over the $20 that you just gave? No, you're not. Why? Because it wasn't his. It's your, you be quiet. That's my dad, for those of you who don't know. What's funny, though, is, is I asked him for 20 bucks yesterday. So I, it actually is yours, so I'll give it to you. So I'm back to square one. No money. All right. But we're not going to be one of those churches where you start throwing money at me. But anyways. Um, but here's what I want you to see. It, it's easy to give when we realize that it's not ours anyways. The Bible says this in, in Psalms 24, verse 1. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything in it. Everything. Everything you have doesn't belong to you. belongs to God. You don't belong to you. You belong to God. Everything in this world. And when we see things that way, that's freeing. When we start to see, you know, it, it's when, when God asks you to give and you realize, this isn't mine. God gave me this anyways. It's real easy not to grieve and to be able to give back to God what he's already put into your hands. So we need to to deal with a grieving heart. Number three, develop a generous heart. we got to develop a generous heart. Deuteronomy 15 verse 14 says, You shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press, from what the Lord your God has blessed you with. Notice who's given you all this stuff. The Lord your God. You shall give to him. God wants us to be generous, but you know, we're all born with this selfish nature. And so this is something we have to deal with. We have to kind of 
work our, our way through. You know, I, I don't know about you, but if you have kids, you probably noticed one of the first things we kind of have to start working on with our kids is this idea of share, right? We share. Hey, no, we share. Like my kids, my little one, especially my three-year-old, people come over to the house or she'll see her sister playing with something and she wants it. And so she wants to go take it and all of a sudden mine starts coming out of her. Mine! And she, like this powerful thing hits her. And so we'll, we'll work through that. Okay, let's just, you know, you know sometimes you're a parent, you do the bad thing and you're just like, here, just give it to her so she'll be quiet. <laughs> Bo's over there going, what? Uh, my mom's up here feeling sorry for Bo. But what happens is then Bo will move on to something else and Sunny will see her moving on to something else. And what does she do? She wants that now. Mine. And so we have to work with her on that. Here, here's a little test for you. Don't actually do this. But if you were to go out in the lobby today and you saw a little baby out there with a pacifier in their mouth, walk up to them and pop that little thing out of their mouth and pop it in yours. You may want to sanitize it first, but do that and watch what happens. That, that baby may only know four words in the English language, but one of them is going to come out, and that word is mine, right? Because we learn at a very early age, there are some things that belong to me, and if it belongs to me, it don't belong to you. And we live our life that way. And, and here's the problem. We never grow up. And for some of us, that's where we are. For being really honest, we find ourselves in this place where we're still going, this is mine. God, this is mine. And here's what God's saying to you today. When are you going to grow up? If you're going to be who God's called you to be, if you're going to have the kind of impact God wants you to have in this world, if you're going to live the blessed life, you got to live beyond that. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Nothing is mine. It's all God's. We got to get that into our head. Number four, we got to develop a grateful heart. Deuteronomy 15, 15 says this, you shall remember... Look at this. You were a slave in the land of Egypt. And God's talking to the Israelite people here about some of the things they need to do as they move into the promise that he has for them. And he reminds them of something. He reminds them of where they came from. He says, you were a slave. You were a slave in Egypt. He, he's saying, remember what it was like? Remember what it was like before I, I brought you out of this? Remember how they used to beat you? How your life was not your own? How you were led around with a chains and beaten and remember how that was saying remember that and look what he says you were a slave in the land of egypt and the lord your god redeemed you does that sound familiar to any of you guys therefore look at what he says next i command you this thing today what thing is that to give generously being generous with our life is not just an option my friends this is a command of the lord God says, I command you to be generous. And he, he, he commands this based on the authority that everything we have came from him. And I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves that everything we have came from him. We need to keep that in the forefront of our mind when it comes to how we live life. You know, I, I found in my life, it's, it's a lot easier for me to live a generous life when I constantly remind myself and keep in the forefront of my mind the fact that Jesus saved me, gave me salvation. When I choose to not get over my salvation, it helps me to be generous. I don't know about you, but I, I was a slave to sin at one point. My life was a mess. It was a wreck. 
I was, I was beaten down by sin. I, I, my marriage was a mess. I was lost. And Jesus came and he set me free. I, I was walking through my house yesterday and thinking about this message and I was just going, Lord, thank you for all of this. I don't deserve, listen guys, I don't deserve anything I have. I really don't. It's all a gift from a generous God. And I'm so grateful. My wife, my kids, my home, this church, it's all a gift. God's so good. He's so loving. How could I not give everything I have back to him? I want you to see something today. This is so important. This is not about checks being written. This is about a heart being opened. That's what God wants. He wants your heart. And he knows what it takes to get your heart. And so that's why he asks us to do some of the things he's going to ask us to do over the next several weeks in this series. God wants to bless you. He wants to use you. And the idea of the blessed life is not just about money. It's about generosity. It's not, it's not a financial thing. It's a heart thing. God wants your heart. The posture of our heart needs to be to honor God in anything he asks us to do. To put him first in every area. To in the beginning, God, in every area of our life. And there's a principle that, that runs from Genesis to Revelation in Scripture, and that's the principle of first. In fact, God gave a pretty strong, made a pretty strong statement in the Ten Commandments when in the first thing that he said, it was, you shall have no other God before me. And I want you to know something. If, if God's the God of your life, but there's certain areas that you don't allow him to be the God of your life in, then he's not the God of your life. I know that sounds like a harsh statement, but it really is true. And, and I know there's maybe some of you in here today, and, you're, and, and maybe you're in this place where you go, well, you know, I, I don't want to do that, but I'll, I'll do these things. I'll, I'll give generously from my work, and I'll give generously in, in these ways, but my finances, like, I, I don't want to give generously there. I'm gonna, I need to control that. So, God, I'll, I got this. But you can't live that way. Because when you do that, here's what you do. You close the door on God. He can't bless you in that area of your life. And you, you live under a curse. And it's not good. And I'll show you this more in the series in the week to come. But, but we need to live our life in such a way that we don't compartmentalize things in such a way that, that we kind of live with God as our roommate. Now, God doesn't want to be your roommate. He wants to be the owner of your heart, the owner of your life. And when I say that, understand this, when I say that God wants to be the owner, he doesn't want to lord over you as an owner in such a way that he makes your life miserable. As the owner of your heart, here's what he wants to do. He wants to be a father who comes alongside you and walks with you and helps you. And just like a good owner, you know, I, I own a house and in my house, I, I'm constantly working to make improvements painting and upgrading things because I want my house to be a place I can live in and I can enjoy, my family can enjoy, but also it's an investment that someday I can, I can sell that home and when I sell it, I'll, I'll have more that I can move my family to the next level. Listen, God's a good owner and here's what he wants to do. He wants to come alongside you in life and he wants to make improvements so that you become more valuable to the kingdom of God, to the people around you, to your family. He wants to invest in you. But in order for him to do that, you have to invest in him. You have to say, God, I don't want you to be my roommate. I want you to be my owner. And here's how you know if God's your roommate or your owner. Uh, a roommate says this to God. God, I'll, I'll, what do you have to say about this? I'll, I'll take your advice. 
I'll listen to your advice. I'll, I'll see what you have to say. And we listen, but we don't necessarily obey. If God's the owner, we say, whatever you want, whatever you want, you, this is all yours. There's no area of my life that I say, God, not here. I'm telling you, that's the blessed life. That's what God wants for you. He wants to transform every area of life. He wants to be first in the beginning, God, in every area of your life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? Lord, I thank you that we serve a good God. You are good and you love us. And and you showed us how much you loved us because you put us first. Thank you, Jesus. What I love about about God is he, he always models what he wants to see us do. And so that's what he did for us. God wants to be first in our life, but he modeled that for us by giving us his first. He gave us his firstborn son, his only son, his best, his first, his best, his only. That's what he gave us in Jesus Christ. And he expects the same. That's the standard at which we live, to give our first and our best to him and everything we do. That's what being a Christian is all about. Surrender to God and trusting him with our life and knowing that because he's good, giving our life over to him is the best decision we'll ever make. We thank you, Lord, that we can do that freely today. We can trust you today. You're a good God. Maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. I wanna invite our altar ministry team to come forward at this time. If that's you and you've never taken that first step with Jesus and surrendering your heart to him of saying, Jesus, I wanna make you the Lord of my life. I give you my heart Maybe you've been to church before and you've done the thing where the pastor got up and he said, would you like to ask Jesus into your heart before? And you raised up your hand, but nothing really came of that. You didn't really see any change. And here's why, because inviting Jesus into your heart, that idea really is kind of like making Jesus a roommate. Jesus doesn't want to be just in your heart. He wants to own your heart. We surrender to him. We give our life to him. And that's what I want to invite you to do today is to surrender your life to Jesus to give your heart to God, to say, God, this isn't about me anymore. This is about you. I offer myself to you in every area. I give it all to you. And we know that he'll take care of us. If that's you today, you've never made that decision to make Jesus the Lord and savior of your life, to surrender yourself to him. I want you to just, every head bowed, every eye closed, don't want to look around. Just, would you lift up your hand where I can see it real quick? Just lift it up. You can put it right back down, up and down. If that's you today. All right, let's do this. I want everybody to pray this prayer with me out loud. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for giving your son to die on the cross for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I confess that you are Lord of my life in all areas, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today and it's the first time you've ever prayed that prayer before and you, you made a decision to surrender your heart to God, I wanna encourage you to come up here in just a moment. We're gonna open up these altars for you to come forward and receive prayer. Just come up and let one of these guys know that you prayed that prayer. We have a gift for you. We wanna put some things in your hands that will help you to walk out this life with God. We wanna put a great book in your hand and some resources. At New Song Church, we believe that when you get saved, it's your spiritual birthday. So we actually have a birthday gift for you today. So please come forward and get that. If you're here today and you have a prayer need of any kind in your life today, I wanna invite you to come forward. In fact, if everybody would stand up at this time, 
I know there's been a lot of sickness going around, a lot of flu, a lot of things like that. Uh, don't leave here today not feeling good. If you're dealing with anything in your life, be it sickness, be it, be it a, a job issue, be it some kind of question that you're struggling with that you need help on, these guys would love to join their faith with you, to pray for you, to lay their hands on you and, and join their faith in agreement with you this morning. So if that's you, I wanna just encourage you here in just a moment to come down and receive prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day and for your goodness and your grace and for the blessed life that you've called us to walk into. I thank you, Lord, that you would, uh, you would draw all those who need prayer to come down to the altars and receive prayer from you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.